Do you like exclusive stuff? Yes, yes sir. sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. It is the Oz Network coming to you once again for another 24 episode on the TV show 24. We're not just going to sit here and drop 24 episodes of just randomness, although we probably could and you wouldn't even notice it. Uh, we're in season two, episode three, day two, 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. This first aired on the 12th of November 2002. It was directed by James Whitmore Jr. Don't get him confused with James Whitmore Sr. And written by Howard Gordon. And this is an episode of 24. Uh, it's there. Uh, it exists. It's um, it's not the best. It's not the worst. Um, explosion happens. Kim's still in it. Um, somebody gets a very quick diagnosis, um, which there's a lot... <laughs> A lot happening, and I'm I'm looking forward to talking about it. My name is Ben, and you're my little sister, and I love you so much. Thank you. Um, you're my big sister. And, uh, no, my name is Colin, and you want to live, Cam? Cam? Cam, you want to live? Cam? Cam? No. Cam? Cam, you want to no, live? I oh, I thought you were going to use this other line, which I was going to use, and you didn't, so that can be my closing line, so that's good. Um, that, that gets me excited. Um... Yeah, this episode is of 24. <laughs> um, <laughs> now, I think you uh, said about half the plot last week, um, so you got <laughs> confused. Um, look, I, I, I just, I just got to say this right now before I forget. Like, it just, it seems like they're rushing so much stuff. Like, they do know they've got 24 hours in a day, right? <laughs> like, I know we've, we've gone over this with the first couple of episodes already, like, particularly with the Kim storyline, but, like, there's so much stuff that it just feels like, this is a 12-hour show or a six-hour show. Like, spread it out, guys. Like, <laughs> I, I know this is 24 and we've got three parts of a season generally, but in a season where you've got a nuclear bomb about to go off, like, I feel like you can draw the nuclear bomb out to go out maybe to the last hour. Like, I get what we're going to get and all this sort of stuff, spoiler alert, but I don't know, just everything feels like it's so rushed. And I, I never remember this about this season. Or maybe it's just been so long since I've watched it that maybe I'm just thinking of it differently. Maybe doing this podcast has changed me too much into being too critical and anal about things. I don't know. But do you feel like it's too rushed? Uh, I do, but I also feel like it's too slow at other parts. And I think that's one of the reasons why it's hard to remember how rushed some of the season is. We have these things like Mason, you know, and the, the bombing and we're in episode three and we've already had other big stuff like hacksaws happen uh, and discovery of nukes and all that. Uh, but then there's things like, you know, Jack's undercover mission that just seems to drag and it's a lot of driving and check He's still checking that engine. It's been two hours and he's, <laughs> I can't get this thing started. Just give me a few more minutes. Uh, so I actually have a theory that one of the reasons this season suffers from that we got to rush and get this out, but then we don't know what to do with other things is because 
they probably didn't realize, you know, how much work it would be to plot out a season like this. With season one, you know, obviously when you have a brand new show, you put a lot of planning into it before you even shoot a pilot. So ideas are already floating around. They know then they have months after the pilot is picked up. This show, they probably wrapped it in the spring and they had a couple of months to put together. Oh, what are we even going to do for the second season? Like, I doubt they were planning a season two as far back as season one, because we already know a lot of things that happened in season one, they didn't decide on to the last minute. Uh, so I think there was a lack of preparation just based on it's American television. You have to get it out in the fall. It would be, uh, what, two more years after this before 24 became the first show that was daring enough to say, we want to be a mid-season show. Mid-season replacements was the dumping ground for the stuff that wasn't good enough for the fall prior to that. Uh, but they, they finally figured out in season four, we, we can give ourselves some extra time. We can plan these things out. We can shoot it all at once. And here it's just, you know, oh, okay, we got all these ideas. We got to do something because we don't know what to do, with, do a Jack. Let's just have the bombing now just to keep people's interest. And like this, is, okay, this is the thing that I think that, yeah, I agree with everything you say, but I think like it was obvious we were always going to get a nuclear bomb storyline. And let's be honest, we get a few of these moving forward into the future seasons. But like, I kind of feel you're going too big too quickly. Like the, the great thing about season one, as we talked about, was it was just a very, the most grounded season you get of 24. It's literally about stopping the assassination of a presidential candidate while protecting a family with a couple of moles thrown in. Like, that's it. It's it's pretty standard. That's the most standard, basic 24 you're going to get. Whereas you go from that to a million miles an hour, what's the biggest thing you could do? Nuclear bomb. All right, boom. Literally everywhere. And, like, you, you, you're basically, this is the third episode, and you're, you're essentially already basically like, this is going to go off today. We went over that last week. They opened some sockets, 80 to 90% chance. Like, it's not like, <laughs> I get it. There's high stakes on board. But, like, th- this this episode to me is just showing that the problems have our rushed it feels. Like, the Kim bullshit, which we will get to. Oh. George and the exposure and that he's diagnosed within 20 minutes. <laughs> like, I mean, it's just... E- even the Jack stuff to me, like, it's interesting you say you feel it drags a bit. I, I don't think it... I still think that feels a bit rushed. Like, I want him deep undercover for a couple of episodes. Like, I, I'm on board all these other goons who are like, dude, this guy just showed up and you're trusting him or Like, no. Like, I mean, and, like, this guy was grieving, you know, how do I live? Like, only two hours ago and already he's, like, into classic Jack. Like, it's just... It, it's not really, to me, kind of, like, just showing, like, it's something that is... You know, I mean, like, you've literally got the President of the United States doing press conferences about, like, Oregon wildlife while the threat of a nuclear bomb going off. Like, I'm sorry, but if right now a nuclear bomb was about to go off in the US, Joe Biden is like, he's locked in that bunker and he's not doing like, keeping the public calm or not. There's a fucking nuclear bomb about to go off, 80 to 90% chance. You've got other more important things to do. So um, anyway, like criticisms aside, this isn't a terrible episode. Like there's a, the end, I love the ending of this episode. It's a potential top five nominee. And I remember watching this episode for the first time going, holy fuck, like they went there. This is definitely an episode where you feel as though this bombing of CTU is not going to happen. They're going to find a way to stop it. And ultimately mm-hmm. they don't. So like that, I, I, I like that's classic 24. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Like I, this is, this is the thing I think we said at the very beginning of this season where I'm like, I just don't know how I feel about this season sometimes. Like sometimes I'm like, okay, that's not that bad. Sometimes I'm like, oh yeah, it feels a bit, you know, whatever. This isn't a season three or a four where I'm like, Hey, people should like those seasons more. 
um, or a five, which is amazing, and a seven and eight, which I can barely remember, and a six, which the first four episodes are great, and the rest is kind of crap. So, um, <laughs> 24, the show, which has lots of different uh, elements to it. But shall we just do what we did first? Let's get Kim over and done with. <laughs> oh, let's get it out of the way, please. It's two scenes. Okay, so um, Gary's telling the cops, uh, like, Dick, like, do they just go out of their way to make this guy even more of a dick? Like, he's, like, he's getting treated by the ambulance. A cop shows up and he's like, oh, where are you? And the cops are just like, we only got the call five minutes ago. Like, this is actually good timing for us. It's, we're LAPD. Like, like five minutes? Like, and you're complaining? Jesus, how often are you calling the cops? Do you have, like, a frequent response card that you should be showing or something along those lines? And they could have just dick- gone even further and... Had Gary be even morbid. Yeah, this is Los Angeles and I'm white. You should have been here in one minute. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Rodney King. Rodney King. <laughs> um, but, yes, and he's also a dick to paramedics. Will you stop doing that, please? Like, I mean, seriously, like, he was beat to a pulp, like, five minutes ago and he's already got an ambulance and cops on scene? Like, if anything, he's he's doing very well. Um, so, you know, I, I kind of don't know what the hell he's talking about. Um, so, anyway, um, that's Gary. That's all we see of him this episode, isn't it? And, like, how, like, Kim and everyone, we're going to get to Kim right now, but, like, she's not far. She's only around the corner. Why is Gary just going straight to, oh, I'm going to call the cops? Like, he should still be looking if he's okay to, like, reply. Yeah. He's getting the cost. But, like, literally Kim, the next scene we get, she runs across the street, nearly gets hit by a car. I feel bad that I kind of wanted her to get hit by one of those cars. Like, <laughs> I know. Just, I'm just like, no. And, like, and also, like, this is a scene where she's not really wearing a very supportive bra, so I should actually be happy. But I'm like, no, just get hit by a car. Just I don't care about the boobs bouncing. Just get hit by a car. Um, meanwhile, we've got two creepy Ben Waterworth types ushering uh, Megan into an alley. <laughs> Put in my notes, this is Ben. (laughs) (laughs) Like, what is this meant to be implying that these two guys are like, they're just literally like, hey. And she's just like, okay. And then as soon as Kim's like, get away from them. They're like, sprint up. Like, is it meant to, like, what are these two going to do, Colin? I'm scared for Megan. (laughs) I just want these guys to be like, uh, hold on. It's a blonde girl and she looks like she works out. She probably swims. (laughs) Get out of here. She's stronger why, than us. Why are they scared of Kim? <laughs> I know. I mean, the coog is going to stand up to Kim more in about 12 hours. <laughs> Jesus. But then Kim, like, basically yells at Megan, like, where did you go? Why didn't you stay? And then Megan's like, oh, shut up, Megan. <laughs> I just wanted her to get abducted just to end the story. Oh, God. Um... To which then we get, uh, we'll kind of lump the Jackness in with a bit of Jack here. So obviously we'll get to why Jack kind of really can't talk. Kim, like, again, this is the thing where it feels so rushed. Two hours ago, she's all like, oh, Dad, I'm not ready. Boo. And then when even when he tries to ring her back, Dad, I said I'm not ready. Now, Dad, I need help. I'm in trouble. <laughs> Make him. Like, if I'm Jack, I'm like, oh, God, not again. What now? Let me guess. Cougar? <laughs> no, we've done that. Oh, no, we're not there yet. Um, Jack can't really help her, but I love Jack on the phone. Like, go to Carol's, <laughs> and it's like Carol. She lives in, she lives in San Jose. I know where she lives. Um, which, in all seriousness, what San Francisco to drive there is, I think, a good five six hour drive. 
I could be wrong off the top of my head, but it's not that close. So, I mean, even if a nuke went off, is she going to make it? <laughs> like, I just want this nuke to go off now. Like, it's going to go off at some point today. Pew! Oh, shit. Uh, <laughs> let's call this show two. Should, should have opened up another socket. Um, <laughs> to which then Kim calls up CTU because, okay, let's establish the fact that she has not had dealings with CTU for 18 months. She's not ready to see her dad, and she even questions the fact that, why is my dad back at work today? Like, he doesn't work for you. Why are you calling them? You should hold them responsible for killing your mother, which Jack does. So why are you just like, fuck, who's the next person I can call? I know, CTU. Like, you've not talked to these people in 18 months, Kim. Um, And you didn't trust them before. And she's got Tony's direct number still. Yeah. Well, she doesn't, doesn't she call, she just calls CT or Michelle answers, doesn't, doesn't she? Uh, Can I speak Michelle- to Tony Almeida? Sure. Uh, how about a little bit of vetting of these calls? Uh, yeah. What are you calling for? Mason said no personal calls. I'm sorry, Kim. Well, and again, a nuclear bomb is said to go off today at Los Angeles and CT, you were taking personal calls. <laughs> like, like I've, I you, just- you work, you work jobs, you get pretty busy. I've had jobs, like, I've worked in situations where, like, nothing major is happening, but it's, like, so busy at a newspaper that, like, no, priority is this story. You you can't take anything on board, and it's just like a, a car crash or something. Like, lo and behold, if a nuclear bomb actually was about to go off in Hobart, I'm a journalist, I'm not even in the government. I'm, like, telling fake news <laughs> to people. Like, you don't have time to take this call, Tony. <laughs> well, I just want the answering to be like, uh, Kim, is this about the bomb? No. Then I'm going to have to call you back. I'm sorry. <laughs> Like, okay, this is, don't open themselves, Kim. <laughs> this is where I'm being very bipolar about this, right? Like, I'm saying it's very rushed, but at the same time, everyone's so relaxed. Like, relax. That's, like, that's kind of what I'm getting at. Like, th- there's an aspect of stalling that's going on in the show. And yeah. then when they give you something big once a week, it sort of just comes out of nowhere. So it's like we get 30 minutes of stalling and 15 minutes of incredible high, high speed action. And that's every episode. This is where I think, like, rather than leading within the first 20 minutes of episode one of, we believe there's a nuclear bomb, it is going to go off today, like, just be like, we have a credible, serious threat to Los Angeles today, we're not too sure what it is, but we believe it is happening today, and then, like, A Middle Eastern man is marrying a white girl! (laughs) (laughs) Oh, we'll get to overly racist Kate this episode, (laughs) hypocritical Kate this episode, but, like... Just build it up, right? Like, build it up. Don't go straight nuclear because then it does come across as, like, legitimately silly. You never go full nuclear. <laughs> never go full nuclear. Listen to Robert Downey Jr. But, like, like legitimately, you have people just sauntering around the office. Cred- and, again, let's establish this isn't midnight. We don't have 24 hours. This is 8 a.m. Well, it's not even 8 a.m. now. It's 10 a.m. now. So you've got 14 hours. <laughs> Like, this is the point. A nuclear bomb. We live in coronavirus times right now where if I'm at the time of recording this in a state that is panicked to the point that one person got out of quarantine, that they're all shit shut down for three days. Don't do anything. A no, nuclear no, no, bomb no. threatened Not- Hobart. We're fucked. <laughs> Not one person, one dickhead. One dickhead. Thank you, Mercury. <laughs> but oh, anyway, calm down, man. Calm down. Uh, so Kim calls up Tony. Um... What does he say? Like, oh, I don't have time to get a car or we don't have time. Oh, oh I'll catch a bus. Okay. <laughs> Kim on a bus. <laughs> sure. Wait, I got I got a bus pass. <laughs> Great idea, Kim. 
and this is another. This is maybe the biggest problem I have with it. Well, two big problems I have in this episode. One is the fact, and this is just Kim this season. Let's put Kim in danger. Oh, <laughs> CTU's about to get bombed. Wouldn't it be worse if Kim was in CTU? Like, oh my God, please. Why not throw a cougar in there at the same time and Gary trying to <laughs> rape him? We may as well just tick all the boxes. Pedophile gang members <laughs> escorting them at the same time. Um, we get a awkwardish conversation of them on the bus where Kim and saying to Megan, it's not your fault that your dad gets Did angry. Did you? Did your mom ever cry? Oh, didn't I? Is didn't that I the say, worst line of the whole series? I think I said that this actress was all right in the first episode. Now, no, she just shut Uh-oh. up. <laughs> I wish those guys had a kidnapped you. Um, Rest in peace. And then eventually, Kim just happens to show up to see to you. Spoiler alert: as Jackie's driving off, to which she said, "Asking like again." The, like we literally I'm kind of jumping ahead to one scene here but we saw these security guards like doing the fucking rigmarole around this van of of Jack and the terrorists yet Kim walks in I'm here to see Tony all right off you pop <laughs> <laughs> you deserve to get bombed CTU um, yeah. <laughs> and Kim walks in and lo and behold she's part of the explosion that goes off oh look she's in trouble again um yep that's Kim <laughs> that's unfortunately it is uh anything else to add <clears throat> Yeah, you know, I I do question the logic of Kim saying so quickly, I can't go to the police. She has no reason. She sees Gary with the police. For all she knows, you know, they're not, well, A, they won't buy this story because I'm sure anywhere in the world, it's like this here. If you just simply make an accusation of uh, abuse, that child is immediately taken into custody until they can, they may send them to a family member's house, but the parents won't see that kid uh, until yeah. somebody can investigate. So all she has to do is say, listen, this guy hits his wife. He hits his daughter. That's why I took her. That's all you have to do. The fact that she's just so quickly, no, I can't go to the police. It's just, it, even Kim's not that stupid. This is her opportunity. When she sees a police there, that's the opportunity to say, hey, just get this little girl out of here. Do whatever you want with me. And this is, and you're absolutely right. Like this shouldn't be drawn out because all then, like if Kim's scared because of Gary, like, literally, if Gary's like, no, she's lying, she kidnapped my daughter, all Kim has to say is like, well, where's uh, whatever the wife's name is? Where is she? Where's Paula? Or is it Paula? Is it? Is that her name? I can't remember her name. She's dead. Yeah, Sarah Gilbert? <laughs> no, not Paula. Not Paula. Um, the wife. What's what's the Gary's wife called? Oh, Carla. Carla. I knew there was an yeah. R in there See, somewhere. This is the problem. We know the characters, but there's so many of them. I've been saying this for three weeks now. Way too many characters. You can't keep track of them. And Carla kind of looks like... Um, Kate's sister. She, kind she of, does, kind yeah. Of, yeah. So, but like, this is the thing, right? All Kim has to go say is like, okay, well, let's talk to Carla then. And then like, you know, like what proof have you got that I've kidnapped her? I've taken her out of the home because you were supposing a threat. You literally threatened to kill me. If this was 2021, <laughs> Kim wins in five seconds. Like, this is yeah. the thing. And like, and then this is all over with. She's not going to CTU. She's not bombed. There's no cougars involved. Like, I mean, Jesus Christ, Kim. Like, you know, and, but and like, again, like... What's the worst that's going to happen if yeah. you know, do believe Gary's story? You know, and I also Kim, love Kim, when they're going to hold you for an hour. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. But like, I love it when she calls Tony. Oh, the police are after me or something like that. Like, I didn't do anything wrong. <laughs> <laughs> this I Tony to be like, wait, didn't this happen eighteen months ago when you were with that Rick character? <laughs> Like, you didn't do anything wrong. We had to get out of jail. And this is a pattern, Kim. There's a problem here. Like, you're not going to get a job. Well, how does she get a job in CTU in 12 months? (laughs) (laughs) 
I also, my, my favorite part of the Kim story this week is Jack's conversation with her where obviously the storyline is that he, he needs to cover. He can what? Okay. Well, I'm dealing with a bomb here. Oh, I should have said that. Though. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But this is, this is him basically. Uh, dad, dad, I'm in trouble. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, there's a guy after me and, and I can't go to the police. I, I need your help. Uh, well, why don't you call aunt Carol? Oh, I lost my phone. Uh, maybe try looking for your phone. The story is he's trying to cover it up, but I believe that this is just Jack fed up with Kim finally. Yeah. Cops again. Okay. Well, call Aunt Carol. Oh, your phone's yeah. missing. We'll just look for He just simply doesn't care. Like, yeah. You had your chance, Kim, an hour ago. I offered help. You're on your own. The last time you snuck out, your mother died. All right. Who's going to die now? Carol? <laughs> Actually, don't go to Carol's house. You stay no, don't there. Don't go to you, Carol's. <laughs> you think about what you've done. Take a long, hard look at yourself. But even when Kim's like, Rings up, said to you, Dad's acting weird. Like, what? you haven't talked to him in 18 months. You don't know how he's been coping with your mother's death. <laughs> like, there's a lot of people in my life I haven't talked to in a while, right? Like, I haven't talked to, who was that? James Pickering, that Oswald. I haven't talked to him in about four years. Like, if I spoke to James Pickering right now, he's like, oh, hello, Ben. I'm, I'm sniffing carrots. I'm not going to be like, fuck, James Pickering's acting weird. He could have been addicted to carrots in the last four years. I haven't talked to him in that long. I don't know what he's into I'm, anymore. I'm pretty sure James Pickering always sniffed carrots, but I get your point. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know anything about his life anymore. Right? I forgot that we had an Oslin from Romania, remember? Alina, right? I haven't talked to her in a long time. She got married. Congratulations, Alina. Good for you. I'm sure it's happy, you know? <laughs> Like, I don't know. Why are we so judgmental in this season? I love this show. I feel like I'm getting so angry at this show that I love. I really love this show. Um, but Kim. There's good stuff to come. Three episodes in and I just want to get a cougar and eat her. Like, <laughs> Wait, you want to get a cougar and you eat her or you want the cougar to eat her? Well, I'd eat Kim in a variety of ways, but then I would also get the cougar to come along and join in. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I'm starting to see, go back and listen to the 20th anniversary uh, episode where uh, John Kazar was on. I'm starting to understand where he's like, I don't get the hate about the cougar because the more I'm getting this, he's at least something happens with the cougar. It's not him riding a bus, you know, <laughs> making phone calls. He's, he's thinking he's like, I don't get why people don't hate the cougar. Kim just sucked that season. <laughs> it wasn't the just the be, cougar. Yeah, the cougar might be the best part. <laughs> yeah, at least people talk about the cougar. Do you remember that time when she could have called the cops? And then she's like, oh, that awkward conversation on the bus. Well, one thing we didn't get her to do that season was open a socket. Um, we, we can probably get the we can probably get Palmer's uh, storyline out of the way here oh, because um, it's it's pretty quick. I, the one bit I love about this whole situation is that the, the like this tiny little scene we get at the beginning of the episode is when Lynn basically goes up to Palmer. Yes, President Palmer. It's definitely a nuclear bomb or something like that. Like, we already yeah. knew that. Like, she she hands him a file and it's like. She's like, oh, the casualty numbers are higher. It's like, yes, it's definitely not a dirty bomb of this. It's a nuclear bomb. And then like, you've got that dramatic music and Palmer's like, oh, plot. Like, did we not, like, again, we got this two, two hours ago, Lynn. Like, this is passenger list all over again. Um, you know just- what it is? They're like, we really need a clip to put on the previously on 24 on the next week's episode that we can freeze frame and have the... So yep. they, they put that one line in there. Oh, we need this for next week. I guarantee you, we watch the next episode. It's going to have, it's definitely a nuke. 
<laughs> it's it's basically the room, and I definitely have the breast cancer. <laughs> I definitely have breast cancer and so a nuclear bar. <laughs> all that happens in this episode in the president side of things is, again, kind of we have to sort of alternate between the Jack stuff, but Jack basically gets through to call up his priority number, which he's got a priority number to call the president, which is still active after eight. Again, don't change their codes in the White House back in 2002. Um Calls through. I, I wanted I wanted this operator to be like Star Wars. It's an old code, sir, but it still checks out. <laughs> <laughs> then I want Lynn to be like, I sent like, yes, let them through. And then you get back to Jack going like, I shouldn't have come. I've endangered the mission. <laughs> <laughs> he knows I'm here. <laughs> Could you tell Tony? Is that who you could tell? <laughs> Leia. Leia's my sister. <laughs> Somehow I've always known. <laughs> Carol. Carol's my sister. <laughs> Terry. Terry's my sister. Somehow I've always known. <laughs> um, but he, he gets through. Uh, can't talk to the president because he's in a press conference. Again, if Joe Biden is addressing the... the like, we saw George Bush back to 9-11... He like the famous footage of him reading that book in a in a classroom, getting whispered in his ear that like a plane has hit the trade center. And he's kind of got that oh, okay, fuck right, this is yep. And then the second one comes, he's rushed out of the room. Like, sorry kids, mm-hmm. read the book yourself. Like, okay, CTU getting bombed is not nine eleven, but this is on a day where a nuclear bomb is about to go off, and this is the counter terror uh, agency unit, whatever the fuck it's called, and like. They've, they're the number one source to stop a nuclear bomb in the city where the bomb's going to go off. This is priority, not the fish and wildlife of Oregon. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm calling this right now. I've, 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 been, I've been working out things in my head. It takes a while. But let's let's put a bit of a spoiler here, all right? There are two nuclear bombs in 24 that go off, right? Both under a Palmer presidency. Different Palmers, <laughs> but still under a Palmer presidency. Now... I'm sorry if a nuclear bomb went off under Bill Clinton and then Hillary Clinton, probably, well, your husband, a nuclear bomb went off under him. We're not electing you. Even if, like, she, he, they loved him and all that sort of stuff. And then all of a sudden a nuke goes off under Hillary Clinton. Chelsea Clinton, no chance of being elected in, like, 20 years. <laughs> they they like, have a coronavirus of U.S. politics. Exactly. Like, just think about this, Palmers. Two nuclear bombs off in L.A., like, your vote for California in the Palmer is done. Like, never <laughs> again. Never again. Um, anyway, so Bauer's like, hey, yep, there's going to be a bomb going off in CTU. Do something about it. To which Lynn is basically, like, rather than just going straight to Palmer, tells Eric Rayburn, oh, the evil Eric Rayburn. I'm sorry, Eric Rayburn, <laughs> not wrong again. Like, maybe handle it a little bit better. But, like, mm-hmm. basically... He's saying, like, well, no, we can't tell them because then his cover's blown and then we're fucked. Like, this is, you know, he's undercover. So he's got a point. Like, okay, maybe, like, inform the president and be like, look, Mr. President, this is what's happening. This is my suggestion. I think it's it's a mistake to do this because I believe this will be what will happen. So you're wrong with, like, oh, I've got to be evil in the White House, so I'm going to, like, prevent Lynn and grabbing Lynn a couple of times. Maybe don't (laughs) grab Lynn. Um, but outside of that, he's doing the right thing, but in the wrong way. Yeah. So eventually Lynn's trying to get through, uh, Jenny can't get through to the Palmer cause he's, it's actually literally got here on 24 wiki. 
Um, Palmer, in his press conference, congratulates Governor Shulman's efforts with the National Resources Defence Council to protect Oregon, Oregon's endangered species. Yeah. <laughs> Very important on a day that a nuclear bomb is about to go now, off. Now, you see, that's why they didn't need to rush for the nuke in season two. You had a perfectly good political pop point for 24 hours involving the Oregon conservation. I, I want the media to rip shit into Palmer the next day and be like, Mr. President... Uh, 12 hours before the nuclear bomb go off, why did you still hold a press conference about the endangered species? Like, again, <laughs> like, if if Bush got a note 12 hours before 9-11 that 9-11 was going to happen and that leaked out yeah. and he was off at a gala dinner celebrating the endangered... Well, not celebrating the endangered species, like protecting <laughs> the endangered... <laughs> yes, we killed them all. <laughs> yes. The great Kodiak bear is nearly extinct. Toast to them. Um, but... Anyway, tangents aside, blah, 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 blah. Haha, we're hilarious. Uh, eventually, Palmer comes back. Lynn tells Palmer. And then Palmer's like, angry bear. Palmer's back like, damn it, Rayburn. Why haven't you told anyone? So then Lynn calls up CTU, order a complete evacuation. And already Tony knows. And the, my, the funniest line that I, that I love there is when um, Rayburn's like, Yes, for the, you know, the glory of the mission, Mr. President, you know, I, I feel that, um, you know, the losses of infrastructure and personnel was was all right, which Palmer's like, those losses are unacceptable. Palmer fucking loves his infrastructure. He knows how it, like, he knows how expensive that CTU building costs. So he's like, damn it, that building costs $17 million to build. I will not lose that. And also those people are kind of important too. Like, I feel he needs it's to have a line there about people. the facility on the West Coast capable of opening sockets. I feel like he needed to add a line about the people losses. Because the way he yeah. just, <laughs> literally he's lied off. Those, he says, those losses are unacceptable. Not just the people <laughs> losses. He said infrastructure and personnel. So infrastructure to him is just as important as the life of Paula and Tony and Michelle. Um, so anyway, um, the Palmer storyline. That's that's I miss Palmer drama. Hashtag yeah. bring back Palmer drama. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm I'm optimistic because I I remember loving Palmer's story this season more than anything else. I think when yeah, we get later to the better. season, it does. It, it is what carries the second half of this 100%. season. Um, you know, once Rayburn's got out of it, <laughs> Rayburn really sucks. Like, and, and he doesn't, he's not a bad actor. It, it's not even a bad character. It's just, it's the total wrong approach. You know, we always have this character in yeah. any type of movie like this. This is the guy in Independence Day, you know? Um, the Secretary I, I can't remember of his Defense. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, that's yeah. not entirely uh, accurate. James, I mean, James, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sadly dead. James now. something yeah. or other. James yeah. Whitmore Jr. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> James Socket. <laughs> Socket. But uh, these characters, like, they always go the wrong route in these movies where they present them like they're a villain. Oh, they just can't see. It's their job. It's just like if you're on a debate team. If you're on a debate team, you have to argue your point. You can't be like, well, you know what? They actually raised a pretty good point, so I concede. Your job is to present one point of view, and the other person's job is to present another another point of view he comes in here his job is to present the point of view he's presenting and it's funny that independence day is one of the few things that actually got it right you know they they didn't villainize the guy they presented his listen this is my i think even has a line in the movie where it's like oh it's my job to present to you these options like it's just it's rayburn is so mustache twirling villain and it's just it doesn't work for the show because we could have the same story told and it would actually be more tense because you'd feel like, oh, these characters don't even have Lynn 
be like, oh, this is what I'm supposed to be arguing. This is what my point is, but I'm not sure. And then Rayburn's like, I'm not sure either. It's just, it, it's it's not done well. It's it's too over the top with him. And because, so is Lynn, who, like who is Lynn? Is she, he's, I don't, she, she's a made up like, position. Because because he's the NSA director, so he has no jurisdiction over her. And like he, she even says at one point, like, or he says like, I was elected or something. Like, does the director of the NSA get, elected i i don't know how u.s like things i know they're like judges get elected so i don't know she's a high-ranking foreign policy and crisis management advisor okay so, so that that makes it that makes her even worse here because the director of the nsa his objective is i'm presenting what the nsa's position is going to be on this to the president yeah. she's an advisor she has the right to go up to palmer at any time rayburn doesn't so yeah. the fact that this comes down to like Rayburn's the one who gets in trouble here, he should be saying, Lynn, it's your job to tell me these things. Like that's the whole reason you're here. Yeah. And then he would be like, well, this is my call. Like you don't have this. Like I like, I mean, again, but don't get grabby, Eric. Like that's <laughs> wrong. But like, yeah, I, I don't know. Like it just, <laughs> it is kind of like very mustache twirling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because like it, 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 it like, I mean, it kind of paints like the way they make this over dramatic. Cause it's like, he's really not wrong. He's just handling it different. So it's like, mm-hmm. if you make it out that he's a mole and he's working with second wave, like, oh, okay. Then, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like, but like, he's not like, he's just doing yeah. his job. Like, yeah, exactly. He's literally he's- doing his job. Yeah, and and I and I don't think the actor's bad, but I feel like you know, on paper the actor could have found a way to spin this. But again, sometimes those decisions come down to the director and the producer saying, "No, no, no, we want you to troll your mustache. In fact, grow a mustache by next week. <laughs> we'll just explain the the fastest hair growth in in the history of the United States." Uh, but I mean, the, the storyline that they have for Palmer isn't bad. I like the idea of should we sacrifice because that would have been what made this more tense. Yeah. Do we sacrifice Jack blowing the cover or do we sacrifice people? Is there, how about let's, let's spend this hour coming up with ideas. Is there a way that we could do this? And then you give Palmer something where he could be like, Oh, you know what? I didn't act soon enough. We should have done this 20 minutes earlier. And like, let's be honest too, because we, I think we've sort of started off this season. by going like, let's go through it chronologically, but we're kind of going back a bit to doing the storylines. You talk about it being rushed and overinflated with characters. I'm about to talk about in total like what six different storylines that are happening in this episode. Yeah. We've gone through Kim, we've gone through Palmer, I'll go through Kate in super quick, but then we've still got Mason, CTU, and Jack. Like there's just <laughs> all like it's all and okay, they're all connected in a way, but like yeah, so there's so much going on here. It's so rushed, yet people are still so chilled. Like it's kind of like take a breath, yeah. guys. Like you've still got twenty two hours to go, twenty one hours to go. Um so I mean Kate, literally one scene. Um, so Kate chilling with Marie, I wouldn't know she's not, she's by herself reading papers and then Marie comes in and like, oh, there's a phone call for you. Who is it? Boyfriend? Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so it's her, uh, detective guy friend to which we go from the non-racist Kate, right? Like just, you know, like she just turns so quickly. I love it. So she's like, oh yeah, what's going on? Yes. Unfortunately, um, raises connected with Sayedali, like it's it's definite. They've definitely like last week it was if they've traveled in the same places too, he's had dealings with him. 
again, we established last week, if I've been on two planes with the same person doesn't make me a terrorist, I'm sure it's happened at some point. So He's I love definitely Kate- a terrorist. <laughs> I love Kate's reaction where she's like, so is he a terrorist? And then this guy's like, no, 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 let's not jump to conclusions. Like, like that doesn't prove anything. I'll, I'll have to report him to Homeland Security. Just it's precaution and they'll do the investigations and then they will contact if there's anything further. Oh, oh, I need to tell people. No, no, no. Like, this is panic. My sister's about to marry a terrorist. <laughs> she goes from, is he a terrorist to, she's about to marry a terrorist. Damn it, man. <laughs> Two weeks ago, <laughs> Dad, you raised me better than that. To, oh my God, it's a terrorist! Ah, 9-11! <laughs> like, it's just, I just love this quick turnaround by Kate. Um, I actually, like, it's it's weirdly, like, hilarious. I shouldn't be laughing at, like, racist Kate. But um, I then love the fact here that she's like, oh, shit, what do I do? And then in comes Marie and Ray's, oh, cousin Omar's coming. He went to Stanford with you. He's really cute. Let's meet. No, I don't want to meet him right now. Come on, Kate. No, I don't want to. He throws a tantrum. I said no. <laughs> no means no, Marie and Razor. <laughs> to which we see awkward Omar standing in the kitchen. So we, we get Kate Marie. Marie's like, what has been wrong with you? You've been acting weird all morning. Yeah, two hours. <laughs> That's not all morning. Um, well, it is because we started at the start of the morning. <laughs> Touche. Um, she's basically like, like, oh, my little sister's getting married. Oh, it's only hitting me now. Oh, it's okay. I love you. Like, okay, we needed that scene. I'm like, I guess it's just quick update. He's possibly a terrorist. Um, which, again, we talked about this. This is, like, to me, one of the best storylines of this season because it's the twist that comes with this, which is so great. And, like, knowing what happens in this and watching these scenes, it's kind of like, okay, it's kind of cool. But I just love racist Kate on a dime. Like, flick of fingers. Ah, racist, racist, ah, terrorist, ah, 9-11. But, but you know what's better about it is uh, the way that I think it unintentionally plays out to make her more racist, because I don't think they intend it that way. I didn't realize, is this guy in the kitchen supposed to be the cousin? Because I thought they said, we're going to go pick up my cousin. Yeah, well, isn't that, that's, what, that's what he got the car, right? That's when he yeah. when he got so, it last week. So they're so quick then, to get the cousin. Then if you think about what this what this scene could be, the way that I sort of watched this scene, and I'm gonna give two comparisons here. If you remember the movie Get Shorty, they they have mm. everything's about oh the money's in the locker, which is actually drugs in a locker. They're just everybody's trying to trick them, and they give the key to the one guy who's supposed to go pick it up, but he's been told about how you know um, DA agents or whatever. You'll you'll know it's an agent because you'll see the gun in their sock, or there'll be like a, a bulge in the bottom of their pants. So everywhere he's looking, he's looking and he's seeing like a five year old girl, and she's got a bulge in her pants. You know, <laughs> not that kind of bulge. Sorry. Wow, <laughs> it was Can a completely different. Me? Yeah, that that was the, that was the the Sonnenfeld cut. Uh, <laughs> no, but and another comparison would be um, Better Call Saul. There's like uh, several scenes in that show where. Michael McKeon, who's afraid of electricity or whatever, mm, of, mm-hmm. who knows, allergic, where, where he'll go outside and everywhere he goes, it's just like a bright, bright light. Ah, ah, and then he goes somewhere else and somebody's, you know, uh, like turning on their around porn. Ah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, no, no, the way that this scene looks is like, like uh, she just, Kate just found out, yes, he might be a terrorist. And all of a sudden, everybody she sees of color, she goes around a corner, there's a guy of color. Hello, ma'am. No. <laughs> she goes, oh, there's my cousin. Ah, there's another one. <laughs> they're multiplying. They're everywhere. 
Osama bin Laden! Osama bin Laden! Um, I mean, again, you, you mentioned it, though, a couple of weeks ago, I think, about, like, sort of that, that panic, though. Like, I mean, we that was the world we oh, lived in back then. it was then. real, yeah. Yeah, like, I, I, I think I've told this story before, but I remember in, in Hobart, New Year's Eve 2001, 2002, it was all like, oh, you know... Extra security on force at the the New Year's Eve celebrations mm-hmm. and potential and like it's fucking Hobart. No terrorists is gonna do anything in Hobart, right? Like, come on, <laughs> they would they would they would. I could think of a million other places. Don't bomb Hobart, like um, Wyoming. Exactly. It's it, it's like in Diamonds Are Forever. Like, ah, if a bomb went off in Kansas, no one would even know about it. <laughs> <laughs> like, fucking fifty planes flew into our casino last week, and twenty thousand people died and didn't even make the news. Um, but they they were all like credible, like, oh, this is gonna happen. There was like a nine o'clock fireworks show that I don't think they advertised properly. So at like nine o'clock, dead silence, all of a sudden you hear this bang. Literally everybody like, like ah! <laughs> drop to the ground. Like we were like, fuck, 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 ah! It was a firework. Um, like, you just, like that was the world we lived in like back then. You were so scared. Like nowadays you're scared of someone sneezes. Like, ah, sneeze corona. So like it's it, it happens, right? But, so, but like... Let, let's again give some some defense. Well, well, I'm not saying it's right that you should judge all these Arab people, but it was something that nobody was familiar with, you know. And mm. all of a sudden, should people have been more familiar with, you know, terrorism and and things that happen overseas? Yes. When it hit America, people were like, "Oh, this is this is more personal now." Now I have to be on my guard. We're really no better now because when coronavirus hit, if you were in a store it, within the first couple months of this, and you just happened to clear your throat. People would be looking at you like, oh, oh get away. <laughs> yep, yep. I, I remember when I flew, when I was flying to Canada and like, because that was like basically the week where all the shit went happened. There was like, I sat next to this woman on one of these flights. She may have well like wrapped herself in like cling film head to toe and she was like <laughs> wiping everything and she was like wrapping her hands up and like, somebody would hand her something and she'd be like, yeah. And then she'd be like, put it down. She'd wipe it over like 50 times like, and then like wrap her face back up again. And I'm like, Jesus <laughs> Christ. Like, I was barely wearing a mask. <laughs> I just wanted to look at her and go, <coughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, and I should I should correct myself. His name isn't Omar, it's Sanjit, uh, according to... <laughs> You're the racist. I am the racist. I thought his name was Omar. Isn't there an Omar, Omar in this? No. Who's Omar? Who is he? Um... That's it. Uh, I'll get the George stuff over and done with too. <laughs> like, wow, we got so many stories. I know. Oh, this is what I just realised. There's like six things to go through here, basically. Um, George, uh, he's, he's doing his runner. Then he gets his phone call that, oh, LAPD, have put a call through, George, and you're nearby. Oh, what's the address? I, I love Xander Berkeley's like, little line. He was like, what's the address? Like, I love how he kind of delivers that. Like, it's really, you know, cool. So they show up to this house. And again... 2002 was a free balling time in LA. The uh, the LAPD didn't need to wait for a thing called a warrant. They could just like uh, <laughs> use bolt cutters to cut a padlock and open a door straight away. <laughs> like you know. Um, so I love it when they go through this building and and one of the uh, cops says something like, "Oh, like is there anyone there?" or something like that. And I love Mason's reaction. Is there anyone there? Like he's like like questioning <laughs> this guy. Like 
Um, and obviously, I, I'm guessing like Fox mustn't have gotten the rights to use like the proper LAPD logo. I love that, like when you watch like a show set in New York, and they obviously don't get the rights to use like the NYPD actual like insignia oh, or yeah. logos. So like because like you see the close up on the the cops bat, that's not the LAPD badges. So they've got, but they still call them the LAPD. So I don't know how they get away with that. Anyway, so. Um, they come across this big like box and like, oh, what's going on here? They walk inside and like, I love how like they make this big deal about Mason and the radioactivity when there's clearly a sign clear as day there before they actually break it that says radioactive. And just like a 90s computer that beeps, radioactive material has to be green smoke. So just uh, <laughs> in case glowing. you didn't know, glowing, <laughs> glowing green smoke. Um, but oh no, there's a guy on the loose, there's a shootout happens, and oh no, the glass breaks and the green evil smoke goes everywhere. Mason's there. Um, and I do, I like the thing that I love about this is the over dramatic music. Like, I love Sean Callery's score in this show, but like, I think it's dramatic enough that we can literally see green radioactive smoke while Mason is like, <gasps> everybody get out, get out of the building, get out of the building. And you've got this like, like, like music over the top. Um, dun, to which then we basically, Paul, I, I want to know what happened to random Sergeant who got close to this smoke. Like we're only going to hear about what's happened to Mason. So my, my second biggest problem with this episode is that Mason then, well, not Mason getting naked. I'm, I'm all down for Xander Berkeley naked. Why not? You know, buy me dinner first as he gets stripped naked, kind of giving his phone up. Uh, but then the, the, cliffhanger of this episode which i think is wrong they shouldn't have this as a cliffhanger of the episode it should be the bombing of ctu but okay um we get this guy what 15 minutes after he got tested like yeah you've been exposed to some pretty heavy yeah. material uh blah blah blah. Oh, just give me the facts doc well it's lethal i'm afraid <gasps> oh really how long have i got could be a week could be a day See ya. <laughs> They've narrowed it down to within seven days of the man's death in 15 minutes. I get this is like, it's so rushed. Like, mm-hmm. why does he have to find out within 15 minutes? Like, I oh, get yeah. it. TV show's got a TV. I understand it. But like, why can't we find this out in four hours? Why can't they be like, well, we've sent your results off to the lab. We should get a result in the next three hours. Like, increase attention a little bit. Like, I don't yeah. know. Like, well, because you, that's the you thing. Actually- it's so unbelievable. <laughs> You blow the tension by saying it so early mm. because this should be, oh, he's fine. And then you spring it on the audience later on. Let's, yeah. At this point, saying it in episode three, maybe a week, maybe a day, you know that they're not going to hold, they're not going to have season three take place a day later. So yeah. you've already told the audience he's not lasting through this season. So, you yeah. know, don't get attached to him. If you save that for four or five more episodes, then there is suspense, and then when you do spring it on the audience, they're like, oh, it could happen any time now. I don't know when. And this is literally a character who we are not meant to like. Like, yeah. we like him because uh, we're weird, <laughs> but, like, he's going to redeem himself, spoiler alert, but, like, you're still at this point, there's no redeeming features to George Mason. Like, he's literally just <laughs> run away from CTU. Like, the audience right now is going, yeah, karma, bitch. Like, you wouldn't be in this situation if you didn't run away. Like, so, I, like, yeah, it's just, it's, it's, I just, I just don't like, and the, again, again, show's got to show. You've got to do something quick. Like, TV's going to make things up that aren't, you know, this realistic. I get it. But, like, literally within 20 minutes, you got a 24 hours to a week. Like, I love how Mason just accepts that. Like, I'm not accepting that. Like, like, if I order something from Amazon, oh, you'll get it within a day to a week. I'm pissed off. No. Is it a day or is it a week? 
Like, I've paid for express shipping. Don't tell me it could be up to a week. I want it within a day. So, like, mm-hmm. can you narrow it down, Doc? Like, 24 hours. Like, it's not like he says 24 to 48 hours. A week? That's a long time. Like, okay, so my doctor's appointment on Thursday. Can I make it or not? Like, <laughs> I've got tickets to see cats on Friday. I, come on. Should I at least make dinner plans tonight? <laughs> yeah, I've got Lakers tickets tomorrow night. Like, can I make it? They're good seats, man. Courtside. I'm next to um, Jack Nicholson. Like, he's invited me. Like, will I be there tomorrow? Let me know. Like, I could sell these. I could make some cash. Like, uh, anyway, do you want, I, just quickly I, on it, though, do you think it should be the ending of the episode? I don't think it should be the ending of the episode. Uh, I think it would have been better. Well, it, I'm not going to say the cliffhanger that we get isn't better, but I, I, I feel like this is a more traditional 24 cliffhanger but where are you going to go after the bombing it would be interesting to see it as this if you had the bombing and then you cut away and you still have the scene with mason you know uh it's almost like the false ending uh but i mean both of which would have been great uh one thing i do like though is when when they start storming into this storage locker and the front of this massive storage locker is just all these boxes yeah. Like, uh, no, no red-blooded American would stack boxes like this. Let's go further, guys. <laughs> Must be a terrorist. It's got to be terrorists. Oh, oh, only Arab men will stack boxes with this kind of precision. <laughs> There's your Star Wars thing. Only only Arab terrorists stack boxes this precise. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I, like, I actually really would love to have Xander Berkeley on the show because more than any other actor in any season of 24... He's that guy that I believe is is improvising and making up his dialogue because I don't know if the writers are as clever as to do things for a guy like Mason saying, come on, aren't you at least going to buy me dinner first? And it's like, yeah. hey, intend to leave any of the skin on my body because <laughs> it just is wisecracking and his yeah. sarcasm as they're scrubbing him down with this radiation is great. And I even just love the guy who keeps telling, get off the phone, sir. Yeah. We need to get off the phone. <laughs> get off the phone. We need the phone. Give me your damn phone. <laughs> like I, I'm, I'm saying it right now. I know we're not supposed to like Mason's a character, but he has so much more personality than anybody yeah. on this show. And I'm Agreed. including Jack. I mean, I love Jack Bauer, but if I'm picking a favorite character in season two, it's hands down George Mason. And that's even based on just these first three episodes. We're going to have, I mean, we're basically going to have Mason at one of the biggest moments of this entire series that's going to be coming up in a few weeks. But three episodes in, Mason blows everybody away. The one thing that I also need to point out with the whole like casual nature of this nuclear threat, this guy, get off your phone, get off your phone, we need your phone. This is where George could be like, Mate, just take a step back. <laughs> Nuclear bomb. Clearly evidence right here. Gonna go off today. I'm the director of CTU. Kind of important call. Do you, you want to be fried to death? Right? Yeah, unless you want to be doing the same scrubbing to everybody in a 100-block radius, you're going to let me finish this phone call. And, like, how quick is, like, Hazmat on board? Like, again, everything's so quick in, like, 15 minutes there. You're ready to go. Swap, swap, sweep, sweep, sweep. <laughs> and then it's like, oh, you're gonna die. Twenty four hours and seven weeks. See ya. And where's Sergeant Jenkins, the other cops who've been exposed? Who cares about their arc for the rest of the day? Yeah, well, this is like um, that that that, that uh, female cop who just is introduced. Hey, what's your yeah. name? My name is whatever. And then she dies in season one. They always have the one meaningless death. Poor police officers. No justice for them. Um. So the CTU stuff, basically, some of it were covered. So, um. The phone line is crackling, which is going to relate into Jack's storyline. <laughs> pa- Paula tried a filter to fix the phone. 
What is it? What does that do? Like, I, the phone line's crackling. I put a filter on it. It didn't work. Why? I just love the logic, too. Is like, we're going to make their phones crackle so they have to switch to wireless. And then CTU is like, wireless in 2001. That's way more secure than a crackling phone line. Again, I'm sorry, CTU, but you deserve to get bombed. You <laughs> yeah. are the counter-terrorist unit, and you fall for the old, oh, we'll pretend to be the phone company. See? Trick. <laughs> You're the, it's a Trojan horse, dickheads! Like, I mean, are you that dumb? Like, no wonder there's a bomb going to go off today, America. Like, Jesus Christ. I'm sorry to all the innocent victims of the Mojave Desert later on, all the coyotes and armadillos that die, but, like, Jesus Christ, they deserve hey, it. With can't CTV. believe you left out the poor cougars. Like, those are the stars uh, of the Mojave Desert. For once this season, I'm going to be cheering for the cougar based on three episodes of Kim. <laughs> Um, so anyway, the phone lines are crackling. Oh no. So we're going to call up the, you know, we're going to call up bloody AT&T. They'll be here soon. Um, and then sort of connected back to the White House storyline, Rayburn's evil plan is to ring up CTU and be like, transfer all your files to us. <laughs> They'll never get me now. Maniacal ass. Maniacal ass. To which Tony, serious like a flavor saver, she'd be like, hmm, why do they want to give us our files? You, you, you missed the perfect opportunity there. When Rayburn calls up uh, Tony here, he even says, I understand you're the ranking agent, right? <laughs> and I just went right there. Tony be like, that's, that's correct, sir. Soul patch still intact. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a shot. <laughs> yes. I'm back in charge. Yes. <laughs> you know that ranking agents must show their soul patch insignia. <laughs> but I really love this awkward phone conversation. I love Michelle like shadowing Tony. Like, why is Michelle just like behind Tony? Like, oh, what's on the phone? It should, like, it should have been Paula. Paula. <laughs> Department heads only. Oh, we'll get to the evacuation later when, like, CTU's grown in by about 100 people. Uh, I love that this office looks so empty most of the time, but when they're evacuating, like, half of LA's in the building. Um, but anyway, so, yes, transfer all your files over to NSA, to which Tony's like, hmm, why are they doing that? And Michelle's like, hmm, let's call up other agents. Like, what does Michelle do? Hi, FBI. Uh, yes, it, it is. Who's this? CTU. Oh, yeah, how you going? Good. Yeah, not bad. Doing the bomb thing? Yeah, you too. N- not busy? Nah, well, you know, we don't know where it is, so just just chilling. Yeah, I'll still, it's okay, cool. Uh, um, did, did NSA call you up to transfer your files? That's classified. We can't tell you that. We're the FBI. We don't... Uh, okay, well, could you just maybe sneakily tell me yes or no? Like, well... Maybe. <laughs> just, just tell me. Larry, I'll buy you a drink. I, I might know a guy who's dying. He's got some Lakers tickets. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, no, they didn't. Okay. Move on. Hello, CIA. Yes, did they get you to trans- like, what, how many uh, she or- call- Oregon Conservation Society, yeah, have you <laughs> been asked to transfer your files? Chopper Command. Um, did you- Command. <laughs> like, again, why are you wasting an hour calling other agencies to see if they've got, like, just, like, this should be a logical thing. Like, oh, well, that makes sense. Yes, it, well, the bomb could go off any minute. We could all be dead. So, like, of course <laughs> they're going to, like, I'm sure, like, Hollywood have got, like, the National Film Archive of, like, Casablanca and all that. I'm sure they're probably being secretly told, quick, ship them off to San Francisco. We don't want to yeah. lose the original print of Casablanca. Like, <laughs> like, we've seen End of the World movies. We did End of the World Month and all that kind of stuff. Like, 
They build bunkers underground and shit mm-hmm. like that. They want to preserve culture and all that sort of stuff. Do you not think this is why the president holding an Oregon National Endangered Species Conference is shit? <laughs> because, like, on the 80 to 90% chance this bomb is going to go off in Los Angeles, you've got some precious shit that you've got to protect. <laughs> like, and, and- fucking Meryl Streep lives in LA. Get her the fuck out of LA. <laughs> You know, it's funny because I never really thought about that as a plot hole. I just thought it's like, oh, again, they're acting way too casual with this. But you're completely right. I mean, as soon as you find out there's a threat of this, you have to get your files backed up somewhere just in case it happens. They should have done this weeks, but they should always have. They done the minute they thought there was a nuclear bomb about to go. Why taking them two hours? And and the the conversation that Tony and Michelle have is basically, yes, but why would they ask us to do it now of all times? We still have 14 hours till the end of the day. You have maximum 14 hours. You could have 14 minutes for all we know. There should have been urgency. You shouldn't have had to have been asked. This should have been department heads. Everybody, yep. let's transfer our files before it's too late. And the, the, okay, this is where you can fix this and like have us not complaining about the lack of urgency here. When you say the nuclear bomb is going to go off today, like don't leave it open ended to be like we believe the eighty to ninety third chances is going to go off at eleven p.m. to twelve p.m. Like say that, like literally say, or like have a video, like here's our second wave guy going, yes, America, I am going to launch nuclear bomb at eleven p.m. on the dot, unless you'll pay me ten billion dollars. <laughs> like. Then you've got a time. You know that you can be a bit more chilled. Like, oh, I can have lunch still, and then we'll get back to the nuclear bomb thing. Like, you're right. Like, this could go off at any second, and we're debating it, whether or not this is a thing. <laughs> like, well, and this is where that that lack of urgency you talk about comes in too, because, you know, I'm sure a lot of most businesses probably had this happen. You know, they weren't set up to work remotely. When the pandemic hit here and everything was closed down, it was like one day I came into work, and there was nobody there. And I got a message saying, all right, uh, every everybody in any type of supervisor management position has already been told to work at home because they're they're able to. Mm. Um, sorry, we didn't tell you. We just needed at least one or two people there. I'm like, okay, thanks. So yeah. now it, I'm basically <laughs> working as an IT person for a week straight because they've left nobody to figure out how to get everybody else working from home. That was like, okay, we got to do this now. And, and that's just a pandemic. I mean, it, we're not going to die. There's seven cases in a city of 700,000 people. You know a nuclear bomb is going to go off by the end of the day. Put a move on it, people. <laughs> if, if you turn around and say an asteroid is going to hit Earth in one week, you're not going to spend two of those days, like, just sitting Opening around the sockets. office. And, yeah. <laughs> Like, you're going to do what the fuck you can in case the worst happens. Again, you've got this bomb is going to go off today. 80 to 90% chance. You've got 14 hours left and you're having a debate about, well, this is unusual. It's not unusual. You're a government agency. You've got files. You've got passenger lists that are on file that they need to preserve. And you know what? Again, relating to the pandemic, because it actually makes total sense. When, you know, we had to move everybody in our office to work from home, it happened like a couple days before my birthday. And on my birthday, because I was one of the few people left in the building, on my birthday, I was getting calls from people saying, all right, uh, I need to set up my computer, but I don't know what I'm doing. I worked overtime after dinner on my birthday. I told Jamie, sorry, I got to go help somebody set up a computer. Why? Because the sooner you get it done, the sooner everybody can be safe and working at home. And that includes me. Why is Tony and why are Tony, Michelle and Paula and everybody else not being like, 
come on guys, if we get this done, we could just go work out in the city. We don't have to work anywhere. I could go, I could go, you know, sit in a motel somewhere in San Jose. Like they should all be like, Hey, we're worried about a nuke going off. If we get all of our files transferred, we can leave. Yeah. And like, again, let's be honest. If we worked in a government agency and we were one of the few people that knew a nuclear bomb was more than likely going to go off today, even if your job is to stop it, we are going to mason the shit out of there. Like we're going to be like, (laughs) yeah, exactly. If right now somebody told me, like I was telling you off air about how I got this hairdresser being like, Ooh, tell you a secret. There's going to be a lockdown. Ooh, don't tell anyone. (laughs) Until the premier makes the announcement two hours later. But like, (laughs) she's like, like, so I, I work for, Tasmanian counter-terrorist unit, a nuclear bomb is going to go off tomorrow. <laughs> like, I'm just going to be like, okay, so I'll have, uh, you know, just a bit off the top, slight bit off the side. Have kids. <laughs> like, I'm like, fuck my hair, fuck everything. I'm getting on a plane and I'm getting the fuck out of here. Like, or I'm going to jack bow that shit and go join a gang and try and stop it. Like, like oh, can we breathe? I feel like I'm getting so angry in this episode. I do love 24. I you know, the funny thing is I don't think it's going to change your rating. My rating may actually go up on this episode. This is just so ridiculous. It's actually fun. It is almost very like die die the day. It's like it's just cartoonish on the fact that it's just like it's so over the top that it's brilliant. I think you're right. Uh, you, you are so right. Why are we enjoying getting angry at the ridiculous nature of this? Um, Paula goes to Mason's office to transfer files. I didn't, this is where you need Miles. I didn't come here at 4 a.m. to format files. <laughs> Where's Miles? Um, so Milo, yep. you mean? My, oh, whatever. My, Miles is coming into it too. My, why then do we have Miles? And, and doesn't he work with Milo in season six? God, it's confusing. <laughs> why are there too many Mile names? Um... But what a man, Eric Balfour. What a penis. Hey, you, um, you want you want to hear this completely off topic here, but I worked with a guy named Miles before. No joke. Do you want to know what his last name was? Davis. Hi. Miles. Miles. Hi. His, his parents had the last name Hi, and they gave him the name Miles. <laughs> wow. Miles. Miles. Hi. Well, if if I ever procreate, which let's be honest, that is not going to happen. Um, I'm going to call my kid How Much, and its middle name is going to be Is. So it's How Much Is Waterworth. So, yeah. <laughs> what? How? How what? How, how much is? Waterworth. Oh, how much? I, I, right, get it? Know, now I get it. Because I get that question all the fucking time. What's your last name? What is, oh, how much is one? Oh, I've never heard that before. Um, so, like, I don't know what you'd get as Hilding, like, hill. Look, there's a hill. Ding. Um, <laughs> don't think you've ever probably gotten that in your life. I did once in like third grade. <laughs> Driving along, there's a hill. Ding. It's not even funny. <laughs> Um, so yeah, uh, Tony gets past a note saying that the bomb's going to go off and then Tony's like, ah, bomb's going to go off, gets a phone call and the bomb goes off, which, okay. I feel like I'm underselling this. I actually, yeah, I remember watching this episode again, not believing that this bomb was going to go off. I'm like, holy fuck, three episodes in and a bomb has just exploded CTU. Like, fuck me. This is, you know, again, every man and his dog is running out of CTU. Everyone's here. Um, and I do kind of love the way that basically Tony like runs up to get Paula. Paula, damn it now! And they're like, no, I'm going to transfer files. I'm opening a socket. And then boom, goes <laughs> off, falls away. Um, 
I do love, like again, sort of jumping ahead here with the Jack's crew when you sort of see the shot of CTU. Again, they never make their mind up where CTU is because this shot you see is like it's downtown LA, yet on the outskirts of LA when the Jack and his gang are driving on like the hills, like that that's a long distance from the <laughs> downtown. So again, LA is very small in this show. Um, and I've only been there a few times. This is not coming from someone who's actually lived there before, but I know that it's a very large spread out city. Um, but I've, I've marked the bombing of CTU as a potential top five. I've just put that as a potential nominee because I think it's a pretty big moment. Um, yeah. Anything else that I've missed on the CTU stuff? Uh, no, I mean, it is weird that Paula goes from being the one who I can't do this. I'm too scared to being the only person not willing to leave the building. Like there's no setup. If they had had, they had the one motivational conversation that Tony had with her. It was like, Paula, just open a socket. That's all I need you to do. And then after that, we'll work on opening another socket. Just one socket after think the of, other. Think of Michael Jordan. He opened <laughs> lots of sockets. You can do well, it. Well, imagine if this were still the the first socket. That like two hours ago, he said, I just need you to open one socket. Now it makes sense what you want. But Tony said, I just need to open one socket. I haven't done it yet. Uh, but there's no transition for a character suddenly being, I'm the brave one. I'm going to stay. You know, we're going to get a little bit of a shift in Mason's character coming up that's done so well that you actually believe it. But I don't I don't I don't understand Paula's character. Um, and when we get to a couple episodes in, you know, maybe I have a few theories that it, it's all OK, red herring. Uh, but but it, it's just it feels like they had an idea in episode one and they had another idea in episode three and they didn't bother to consult the writers of episode one to see if any of this matched up. Yeah. Um, you know, other than that, I mean, the, the bombing of CTU is great. Uh, it, it's it's a moment, like you said, you don't expect it to happen. And yeah, it does feel like they're throwing these rush things in there. But uh, what I feel like does work for this is it's, it, I think you've watched Heroes. Like, have you watched all of Heroes? Uh, I, I, like many, I think gave up halfway through the second season. Um, okay, well, so, that's yeah. perfect explanation. Because I was going to say, now the the textbook answer for how a show can go wrong is season two of Heroes. You have yeah. one of the greatest seasons any show had ever had, season one and then season two. But there's so many different theories as to what went wrong, writer strike and stuff like that. But ultimately what it is, is they the writers even admitted they because they thought they had 24 episodes or 22 episodes, they took too long to get to the point. And then the writer strike kind of killed it after that. Uh, this isn't around the same time period, but I almost feel like they were worried we can do a slow build for season one, but people are going to want the action really quickly. And maybe if this had been a slower build, like we're sort of saying, take your time getting there, big fans like us would love it, but would they have held that audience that expected at the end of season one, where they're getting the gun shootouts on the docks and they're getting, you know, the, the Lou Diamond Phillips prison break and all that they're not going to necessarily sit through three or four episodes just of story building that they would need something big like this. And I think that's a very good point. And I think it's one of these context things where it's like watching this live was a lot different than watching this on a rewatch. Because again, watching this each week, you were hooked still. And I was like, fuck, they're blown up CTU. What are they going to do now? And oh my God, this bomb is going to go off. Like what's going on? And like, you know, you were literally like hooked every single week, but when you're kind of rewatching it and being analytical assholes, like we are 20 years later, then it's different, you know, like it's, and it's like, 
See, I, I, it's, I find it very funny that, like, I feel like I'm getting the most strung up and whatever of any show I've ever covered on the Oz Network because, like, let's be honest, we're doing shows that Ben Waterworth loves. Like, I yeah. mean, I've done my favourite show of all time, Third Watch. Uh, this is my, my second TV show, favourite TV show of all time, 24. Nip Tuck, I think, was number four on my list. Breaking Bad was in my top ten. Uh, Lost is in my top ten. ER one day, if we can ever sit through 15 fucking seasons. Good fucking luck. Um, but, like, I've never gotten this heated before. because, But, I mean, it's a different style of show. Um, and it's it's interesting because, like, I definitely got heated on some of my Third Watch episodes because I'm like, you snowblind, what is this shit? Um, but it's, yeah, where it's it's interesting sort of in the other ones. But, um, yeah, like, it's it, it I, I agree with, like, what you're saying with all that sort of stuff. But I, I think it's, this is where, you know, it's interesting that, I like compare our Bond love, like download 007, um, which I think by the time this episode is airing, I've seen No Time to Die. Yay! <laughs> so, hello, future Ben. Oh. People listening to this episode finally airing. I've seen it by then. Hopefully, probably not. But, oh, I can't believe Kiefer Sutherland was in it. Oh, they, the Jack Bauer crossover. We never does, knew does we it still Does it still anger you that you're saying that about when this will air and at the time that we're recording this, I'm planning to see it for the third time? Fuck you. Uh, <laughs> what did Noah say to me the other day? Like, yeah, I might go see it for like the third time or something. <laughs> Fucking little shit. Uh, well, given that my trip next month at the time of recording this is probably off, uh, I am going to go and see it the first session I can. And I'm, I literally think I'm going to walk out of the cinema, buy a ticket to the next session and go and see it like back to back. <laughs> like I've never done. I've seen two movies in a day I've, before, but I've never yeah. seen the same movie in a day before. So I've only yeah. done that with Star Wars. I would love to do that one of these days, but I've only done it with Star Wars and I've only done it where I saw a matinee you know, or the midnight showing. And then I went back that evening. So right. never been able to do it, but that's one of the things I've always wanted to get, get a movie where you just see it. It's so good. You know what? I'm walking right back in there and seeing it. Again. So you're saying it's good. Actually don't answer that question. <laughs> <laughs> it could be shit. I could be like, no, <laughs> waited two years for this shit. Give me the phone. <laughs> MGM. Give me Barbara Rockley. <laughs> Damn it, woman. You said that a woman would never be Bond. Why is she Bond? <laughs> God damn it. No! <laughs> Get a lighter out, burn down village cinemas in Glenorchy. <laughs> a man was taken to jail today for burning a cinema down. <laughs> when asked why, he said, because no time did I suck. No! <laughs> he and said, that man's name was Nicholas Susick. <laughs> he said, quote, he wanted his podcast to rate higher. His podcast <laughs> is double on seven. <laughs> and all of a sudden, you get inundated with Patreon. It's gone through the roof. <laughs> Unfortunately, they'd probably screw it up and say the qualifying lap. <laughs> They'll screw up and say Spectre, etc. cetera. <laughs> um, I don't even know where I was going with anything that I was about to say. Um, just quickly, Jack. the 24 official companion uh, guide. It's got a bit of a write-up about the explosion. Uh, Stan and Scott Blackwell, twin brothers, uh, who have uh, done a lot of supervising special effects on 24 since the pilot. They did this whole sequence. And apparently, though, Scott was away working on a Tom Cruise movie called The Last Samurai at that point. So it was all up to Stan to do everything in that. And he was saying that it was challenging because on the soundstage, they couldn't make a massive fireball because they had too many sprinklers. Uh, so in the end, all the different bits of glass shattering and the fake walls blowing up, there was actually 93 separate explosions in that sequence. It was a challenge. But I 
think it came off pretty good. Um, we didn't really mention that CTU was redesigned. Like, if you actually pay attention to CTU in this season, it's completely... We know they did that, in, like, what, after, like, four episodes, I think, in the first season that they sort of mm. redesigned the CTU set. They did it in this season. And then what amazes me is that somehow there's still a working CTU to use for the rest of this season. Um, and one thing, actually, I just want to quickly add, uh, which I found this interesting, Rachel Owlsworth apparently auditioned originally for Nina Myers. Um, and then she came back in season two to read for Kate Warner. Um, so then she got Michelle Dessler. Um, so I'm actually, I'm, I'm glad. Like, I, I think that worked out well for her. Um, I, I'm glad she didn't be Kate. I don't want her to be wasted as a one season person. No offense to Sarah Winter. But um, yeah, she's a great Michelle. She, she so. got more mileage out of her being the, the third choice, I guess, of her, or that as her third audition. Yeah, worked out in the long absolutely. run. Definitely stuck around a lot longer. Yeah, no, and I, I don't know if I could see her being a Nina. Maybe I, I could see her being a Nina more than a Kate. Yeah, no, I Rachel doesn't look racist. racist. She's like yeah, half she Japanese, exactly. So, you know, like yeah, exactly. Um, anyway, all right. So Jack, um, God, how are we? So much to talk about in this episode. <laughs> Jesus Christ! And we started off by saying this. Nothing happens in this episode. <laughs> I want to keep track of this to see if we ever get more than six storylines we're going to talk about in an episode of 20. This is ridiculous. Um, okay, so Jack whew, is uh, off for a drive. He's asking a million and one questions like, why are we going to blow up? To- <laughs> That's a Jack Bauer person. <laughs> why, why are we going to blow up? And I, I love uh, what's-his-face here, Eddie, or whatever his name is. Like, oh, you know, why so many questions? I love it when he gets off the phone, the conversation with Kim. He's like, ah, oh, it's my girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> Kim Sutherland's great in this episode. I mean, he's great in every episode, let's be honest. But I don't know, like, he's so good. But then I, they, they go to this phone, and you go back to your point about how it's basically, oh, they're just going to make the phone crackle a little bit. <laughs> um, so, <they're> like, <laughs> so the phone company comes along, uh, and, oh, Cam and, Cam and Danny. Cam. I love, I actually really like Cam. Cam's like, yeah. this guy who plays Cam's a really good actor. Like, I star of the episode for me, Cam. Um, because I, I love it. Poor Danny gets shot and he's just so shocked. Um, he's just like, you know, Cam, 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 you don't want to die, Cam. Cam, you wanna, Cam. Cam. Do you want to die? Do you want to die? No, no, no. All right, well, you're going to do everything that I say. Um, you're going to call through and you're going to get an on-site systems check at CTU. Um, I love it when the van shows up and again, this one CTU agent who 10 minutes later is about to let Kim in, right? Checks everything under the car, goes over the crew in. There's a lot of guys back here. It's a big job. Now, okay. I know we saw Jack Bauer walk into CTU for the first time in 18 months, like an hour and a half ago. And he was wearing a visitor's pass and that sort of stuff. I'm sorry. This guy knows who Jack, like these guys got up to the van. There's Cam. Jack! Hey, how you doing? <laughs> Working with a phone company now, are you? Oh, how's the what? Oh, shit, sorry. Uh, how's Kim? She's looking hot in those pictures on MySpace. Like, how, what are the odds that Jack just happens to show up at CTU when they've changed security guards that don't recognise him? Like, I mean, security guard job at CTU is a big job. Like, I'm sure they they've stay there and not turn Very over. high turnover rate, yeah. <laughs> and then the next mistake... Can we go back to when Michelle was sitting on that computer with Jack and they're going through all these, like, known associates of the guy that Jack's got to go see? Straight away, Jack's like, oh, that's Eddie. He's one of blah, blah, blah's associates. Michelle sees Eddie's face. Eddie is walking through CTU in his uniform. Tony literally looks at him. Tony's probably looked at the intel. Shouldn't Tony be like, you look like that terrorist that Jack's with? (laughs) Wait a minute. NSA? Dude. 
evacuate the building. (laughs) God damn it, we've let another terrorist in. Damn it. He was still so distracted trying to figure out why are they having us transfer files now of all times. Wait a minute. There's a terrorist in the building. (laughs) But I've got to find out why they've drawn more on my soul patch on. Damn it. It's not working. (laughs) I don't want them to think I'm not in charge. (laughs) And can we actually back up to when when Rayburn calls up and is like, are you the agent in charge? Like, do we ever get a scene saying that Tony's the next ranking officer in charge after Mason leaves? I don't remember He's seeing that. He's just one of the department heads. That's all we know. Yeah, why isn't, like, Ralph from Section 7G in control? <laughs> like, it's like, good about Tony. Like, you know, well, he they, was they, they, sleeping with a mole. <laughs> they drop Chappelle's name here. I mean, should yeah, he not be coming Chappelle. in as a replacement? Yeah. Why isn't he on his way there as a replacement? That's a good. So that's the phone call that Mason's on when he's. This is the thing about six different storylines. They all connect. So when Mason's on the phone, he's on the phone to Tony, and Tony's like, "George, why are they asking us to transfer files?" Well, that's it's a bomb's going off today, Tony. Use your noggin. But it's only us, the FBI, and I. Well, I don't know. Go to hell. I'm dying. I've only got twenty-four to seven days. Like, come on, think of me. I'm George Mason. Did did did. Um. So. Clear as day, uh, Eddie and his gang can just walk through CDU and put bombs. Like, I mean, not like some sort of detection system. Like, eh, eh, bomb detected, bomb detected. Like, clear that socket was closed that day. Um, <laughs> I do actually like the shot. There's like a fancy shot when he goes into a room and he puts a bomb and you've kind of got like the reflection on a TV of him walking out the room. Like, I don't know, just a weird little shot that I noted. It was really cool. So they walk out. Meanwhile, Jack in the van... Um, he helps uh, Cam escape and basically it's like, I'm trying to stop this. I'm a government agent. It's like, damn it, why did you let Danny die? <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> Pull yourself together, Cam. Help me out here. That's actually um, a problem for me because I know oh, you're saying. That Danny not saying, died? <laughs> no, no. Like, when you're saying the actor, and the actor plays Cam, yeah, he's great. Um, he has a lot to do in this episode. But I don't quite buy that these guys are not brave enough to stand up to these guys who are hijacking their vehicle. But yet when he's given a chance to run for his life, he's like, you let Danny die. (laughs) (laughs) If he he was really that brave, like, like clearly he fears for his life. And all of a sudden he's like, not Danny. I don't agree. Cause I think like the, the thing that I like about the character of Cam is that like when he is like, you can tell he's just in shock. Like, I mean, if you're out in a job doing your security thing and all of a sudden you walk around the corner and your friend Denny gets shot point blank in front of you, I think you're going to be a bit shocked. You're like, fuck, Denny. And then the guy's pointing a gun at you like, do you want to die, Colin? Do you want to die? Damn it, Colin, do you want to die? You're just going to be like, you killed Denny! (laughs) I'm going to be shocked. I'm going to be shitting myself. And like, maybe then he's like caught himself. But yeah, so. But anyway, uh, Antonio David Lyons, the esteemed is his name. Let's get him on the show. Cam, if I I could tell you what he's on, if he's actually loaded faster. But anyway, um, so Jack's basically like, I've written a note, take it in there. You're putting Cam's life in danger, Jack. The bomb's about to go off. Like, yeah, he I, knows. Which, I mean, do we ever find out if he dies? I don't think we do. Like, he's probably one of the casualties in this explosion. <laughs> Poor Cam. Um, he was in the sum of all fears, apparently. Hotel Rwanda, uh, American History X. Also appeared in Persons of Interest. Hey, that was at um, the uh, the the Jason Wiles show. Mm-hmm. Um, no, it wasn't. No, that's where we want to. Present is Jim Jim Caviezel and um, uh, what's the guy's name? Benjamin Linus from. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I'm thinking. What am I thinking of? What was that? Persons, not Persons Unknown. Yeah, was it Persons Unknown? 
Yeah, no, maybe anyway. I'm confusing him. No, no, no. I think you're right. Persons Unknown. I think it's a Jason Wilde show that I'm thinking of. Um, NYPD Blue, probably one of the Law and Orders. I don't know. Anyway, good actor. So Jack, give an eye. Go past the <laughs> Tony. Jack cuts the back of his head. <laughs> like I love, you know, I love it when like Jack wakes up. Damn it, Jack, wake up, wake up, wake up. And the other guy's like going off at him. He's like, I've had it with your shit. Um, and then they drive off. Um, we and then as they kind of park to watch the bomb go off, we get that really famous scene of Jack. We're like, Jack's kind of waiting at the door. Uh, and they kind of zoom up at him and he looks at his watch. They used to use that in all the promos. Um, and then we see the bomb go off and, oh, no, uh, what's going on? And I love that when, like, Jack's in the car too with Cam and Cam's like, who are you guys? You can't rob this place. It's not a bank. It's like, we're patriots. Like, yeah, Jack. Um, America. America. These are these are Trump supporters in 2002. Yeah. So um, there you go. Uh, so, yeah, that's, I think I've tied all the Jack stuff into it. <laughs> Why well, I just feel like I've rushed over the Jack stuff, but um, so much but to like, talk about in this episode. But really, when you think about it, there's not much that happens other than they drive there. He takes a phone call. They plant some bombs. He lets yep. the guy get away. That's pretty much it. That That's the problem with having six different storylines in one episode. Uh, you have a couple of minutes for each character in the entire series, including the lead character. And uh, I, I, I don't mind the whole bombing thing, but like they're plan- we're not really even seeing the planet, but maybe if there was more investigation, a way you could drag this out is have the bombs planted and have Jack slip the note to Tony. Maybe have it where they're, okay, we need to search for these bombs. There's no bombs here. You know, that cam guy has always been a liar. Like you could stretch this out into at least one more episode, but just you plant the bombs and then it goes off. But again, you want to surprise the audience. You want to keep them hooked. You want to make, make them think nothing, you know, anything could happen. Um, but uh, Kiefer just looks like such a boob <laughs> to this as, as an undercover agent. Like he's not worried about his cover either. He's like, Oh, Hey, hey, hey I've come. I brought you a head in the bag. Here it is. Well, let me just go out and start my car. <laughs> no, I can't get the thing started. I don't know why. And then all of a sudden, Oh, we're going to go bomb CTU. Huh? Sounds like a great idea, guys, because we're patriots. And then he gets there. All you got to do, Jack, is just watch Cam. Don't let him go anywhere. They come back. <laughs> oh, where am I? What happened? Uh, I don't know, boss. I hit you mad and everything went black. Again, <laughs> like, how lucky is he? Like, what if, like, Eddie's just kind of like, Jack, we know you're really good at putting bombs out to so come into city. Oh, I can't, Eddie. Damn it. Are you, do you work for CTU? <laughs> no, no. Then come into CTU. Like, what did they say to him? Like, you know, just you luckily you stay on lookout. What if the other guy from fucking Losers, a good lookout guy? I've been a lookout on every single mission. We've never had one single mistake. Um, you know, then, like. You know, also, let's go back to the phone conversation. The, this gang is not questioning the fact that his girlfriend is calling him on a phone and Jack's saying, I don't know, just look for your phone. You're calling him on a phone. Like, they should at least be saying, so your girlfriend called you on the phone to say she can't find the phone. You don't know how to start a car. You get hit in the head when you have one job to do. At this point, if Jack is an undercover agent, they're taking a gun to his head and saying, you know what? You had one job to do, Jack. Bang, you're dead. There's yeah. no reason they should even be here anymore. So his cover's blown. Forget Rayburn's not going to blow his cover. Jack's blowing his cover. Just quickly, um, I can see here on the trivia for Cam Strocker, uh, Cam was last seen injured underneath some metal pipes, bleeding from the head. But whether he survived was not specified. 
In the behind-the-scenes continuity book for Season 2 entitled The Dead, Cam was among the list of dead characters. Aw, rip Cam. Aww. So, Jack, you killed Cam, you bastard! <laughs> um, but also, the actor, Antonio David Lyons, you can go to antoniodavidlyons.com, to which I can tell you that he's just released a new project. It's called We Dance, We Pray Remix Project. Uh, so he's released an EP with some songs. So there you go. And if you follow him on Twitter... Uh, he's only got 2,334 followers and he's got an email address. We can email him directly. Bookings. Antonio David Lyons at gmail.com. Uh, so <laughs> there you go. If you want to email Cam from 24, <laughs> you can do it right now. Well, we'll get him on the show. I mean, I've, we've had one episode actors on before. We did it with, um, I've gone blank on her name, the Nip Tuck actress. Uh, she was only in one episode and she was memorable enough to get on for an episode and interview. So Yeah. Yeah, let's try to get Cam. You, say, you know I say this now and I'll forget about it tomorrow, so we'll never get Cam on. So, sorry, if you're listening to this Antonio Lyons, send us an email. It's colin at benwaterworth.com. Um, now, uh, is there any other trivia for this episode that I should read here? Um, just stalling people, stalling people. Um Oh, if you want to know Jack's priority. So if you ever want to try and ring up uh, Mr. Biden at the time of listening to this or, I don't know, President Kanye in like four years' time, if you're listening to us in like 2025 or whatever it is, uh, the priority code is 7117A. <laughs> so, okay, I've got, a, I've got a bone to pick with that. If all you need to do is ring up the White House and you've got a code, right, let's put a plot hole in Air Force One. So when um, Harrison Ford calls up the whiteboard switch, uh, the White House switchboard from the plane, and that woman's like, the president doesn't call this number, you idiot, and then eventually puts him through. Shouldn't he have a private number? Like, this is President Harrison Ford, and my <laughs> code is seven one. Like, wow, that movie's got plot holes. Sandra Berkeley, what did you do? Oh. Um, oh, uh, after, after Mason has taken off all his clothes, the waistband of his underwear is clearly visible. <laughs> cool. Um... Yeah, oh, we didn't mention the scene about Michelle uh, and Paula in the bathroom together, but apparently there's a mistake because Michelle asks if she's transferred the files to Division when she was actually sending them to NSA. Uh, these are all mistakes. These aren't trivia. The bomb at CTU exploded about 40 seconds later than it should, according to the real-time concept. Uh, of this one, this is obvious. Um, Paula and Tony's stunt doubles are clearly visible when they're coming down the stairs and they've got a screenshot, and I noticed that in the episode too. Mark Aaron Wagner and Rosine Ace Hatem are those people's names. There you go. Um, and <laughs> I love that 24 Wiki are buying into our uh, nature here. Given the ongoing nuclear crisis, it's highly unlikely a civilian phone repair crew would be allowed into CTU <laughs> where they could easily overhear details about the threat. Well, that's actually a very good point. Like, it should be shut down. Like, yeah. Oh, we're recovering bird endangered species in Oregon. Um, what are we doing with this episode, Colin? <laughs> It's still a renter. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I mean, we got enough good stuff in here. Um, it's, it's, and some of the bad stuff we talked about that initially I was quite bored with in the episode, the more you pick it apart, it's actually quite funny. So slight improvement for me just from talking it through. Unlike last week, which I think was a slight uh, decrease in it just for talking it through. 
Yeah, I, I'm renting it as well. But no, I've, I've ranked it at 21st, which again is very hard. We say this every week with 24. I've ranked this between 2 p.m. and 3 p.m., the 15th episode of season one, and 3 a.m. to 4 a.m., the fourth episode of season one. Um, and I'm seeing here, though, on IMDb, according to their ratings, this is the 34th best episode of 24. No. What? No. No. Um, yeah, where have you, uh, excuse me, ranked it? <laughs> You know, it, you think I would edit that out, but I can't be bothered. We're coming very close on our numbers here because I I originally had this ranked at 21, but I, I wasn't lying earlier when I said that just sort of laughing at this episode has bumped it up for me. So I bumped it up to 19. So I have this just below uh, episode 16, which was 3 to 4 p.m. And then just above uh, episode 21, which was 8 p.m. to 9 p.m. season one. Well, there you go. Look at Look at that. You've done a good job. Um, so next week I have not watched the episode yet, uh, but we learn about Mason's symptoms, uh, Jack gets into a gunfight. Um, I lied. Carla's not dead yet. Um, I, (laughs) can I just, I just want to read a caption here off 24 wiki for next week on a photo. Jack shoots the dog. Looking forward to Jack committing animal cruelty next week. <laughs> um, actually, let's 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 just read some of the captions here to give you an idea with, with the the non-spoiler ones. All right, okay. Um, the paramedics treat Megan. Okay, <laughs> Mason hears about the symptoms. Okay, I won't read that one. That's a spoiler. Uh, Palmer hears about the explosion at CTU. Which actually, one thing in this episode, Rayburn off the phone. We're too late, sir. CTU has been hit. How do they inform them that quickly? Like, Jesus Christ. The um, phone repair crew. Phone to <laughs> True. Uh, Jack shoots the dog. Yep. I uh, won't read that one. Tony argues with Mason. Okay. I uh, won't read that one. There's a spoiler. Oh, and there's a big spoiler. Okay. I I remember next week now because the cliffhanger of next week's pretty juicy. Have you watched next week's already? I haven't. I haven't even okay. started it. Well, let's just tease and say that at the end of next week, we get a hint of the return of someone. So ooh, ah, who could it who be it now? Janet is coming back. <laughs> or is it Keith? Is he watching the tube some more? Uh, anything? Well, I mean, you haven't watched it, so I don't know if you've got anything to add on next week, Colin. No, I'm, I'm looking forward to another two hour long episode with nothing happening in the show yeah, itself. Wow, well, they're going so long. Jesus Christ. Nick and I are doing like 40 minute Breaking Bad episodes and that show has got like a lot of stuff to talk about. You've watched it now. So are you still listening? Are you still listening to our episodes or have you given up? I've, I've, no, I've ca- I'm basically, I was listening ahead uh, and now I'm right around where you guys have released the episodes. Right, which is where are we up to at the time? Actually, that's seven, date this season is. two episodes. Oh, uh, sorry, well, people we're now somewhere. know listening to this <laughs> how far ahead behind we are. Oh, recording. we just totally spoiled the illusion for people. Oh these no, these are live. done live. That's why when we did our tenth anniversary episode, we actually got people commenting on our post, and we never talked about it on the tenth anniversary <laughs> episode. Um, if you like us, Patreon. Because uh, we can tell you that if you do sign up to Patreon, clearly the couple who have have really gotten the benefits from that. Um, <laughs> I'm actually looking at my whiteboard in front of me of to-do list and I've written Patreon in a way that we actually need to maybe do things to those people. <laughs> what, I can ask you a question, personal question on air. What happens to that money, Colin? Have you seen a cent of that? I haven't seen a cent of that money. I mean, it goes in your account, I thought. <laughs> my account? Shit. Yeah, Patreon. You set up Patreon. Wait, if that goes into my Canadian account that doesn't exist anymore. Oh. <laughs> 
People have been paying us. We're making money for the first time in our lives and we're not even getting it. Oh, I didn't Shit. get a chance to tell you though. We sold another t-shirt. Oh, um, where's this money going, Colin? You're pocketing the t-shirt money. This one's all <laughs> sitting in PayPal. Uh, but uh, yeah, the t-shirt somebody bought was our uh, Rene Russo Travolta 95 nice. election shirt. Forget Shorty. Was it Was it Chris Dixon or Matt Dyson? <laughs> like the <laughs> usual? I'm I'm sure it was Rene Russo lover. Uh, what if it was Instagram. Rene Russo? Like, what if like oh. you got an email and it was like, "Hi, I'm Rene Russo, and I bought your t-shirt." <laughs> like, she, or like she's got Instagram. Like, what if she just posts a picture? Like, got this great t-shirt off the internet. Like, like we'd be like, "Fuck!" Like, if, if Rene Russo is willing to post a picture, I will send her all four of her t-shirts that we've made. <laughs> <laughs> and just quickly, because I realize we haven't mentioned this joke since February, Tanya Roberts is dead. Oh. One of the other Sorry. casualties of CTU. <laughs> yeah, she was <laughs> her and Cam. <laughs> Rip. Uh, tune in next week for episode four, day two, 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. Also listen to our Lost coverage. Also listen to our Breaking Bad coverage. And I think at the time we're releasing this, Matrix coverage coming soon. Ah. Um, and No Time to Die. Listen to our spoiler episode over on Double Oz 7 because we're not Maybe. doing one for here. Maybe if lockdown <laughs> pending, Bogan's sneaking to the state. Who knows? Uh, my name is Ben and I need all your clothes off. <laughs> and my name is Colin and never forget, rest in peace, CTO infrastructure. Thanks for downloading this episode of the Oz Network. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast by Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or by copying our RSS feed into your preferred podcast provider. And while you're there, please drop us a rating and leave us some feedback. You can also be sure to stay up to date with all the latest episodes and happenings from the show, as well as finding out how you can get involved in upcoming episodes by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as getting everything you need under one roof at the Oz network.net thanks again for listening and we'll speak to you next time like exclusive stuff yes sir. yes sir do you like having access to your favorite podcast hosts in a way like never before yeah absolutely do you wish you had access to our old survivor oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online oh yeah if you answered yes to one two or all of those questions then get excited because the oz network is now on patreon <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. (laughs)